The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the dagger? Great night to be a Mountaineer, wherever you may be. Agent back to pass, rush down the pocket, throwing it downfield, it's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Warner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Tuesday the 18th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Happy Kerchival building. I'm Jordan Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. How are we doing today? It's a little cold out today. I'm surprised you guys are all in t-shirts and stuff, man. Windy this morning. Chilly. I had to go pick up some gas this morning before coming here, and that wind was a whipping. Yeah. Like in a bag? or <laughs> Yes. Fun fact, friends might have had to do that before when they've run out of gas. That was a early college years, a oh, bunch of young kids not knowing how to handle life situations yet. <laughs> running out of gas within eyesight of the gas station. Didn't think, hey, well, probably didn't have the money, honestly, but think, hey, let's buy a gas can. Right? Maybe let's do that. Or maybe let's go get some real big water bottles and then do it that way. Nope. Plastic bags. Uh, so uh, needless to say, well, they were able to get enough gas into the car somehow to get them back to their apartment. But when well, you know, college kids, man, survive and adapt. That's how it is. But let's talk about some local baseball. Had that action uh, uh, yesterday with everybody back around the area. I saw my uh, nephew had a, his Little League game up in Hedgesville. I saw Hedgesville softball. They were playing uh, also. So what we have around the area yesterday? Well, yesterday in baseball, Jefferson defeated Berkeley Springs 14-3. to uh, This was a game that Jack Gross came in relief of the starter for Jefferson. Goes two innings, uh, only allows one hit, but strikes out six. Uh, so Jefferson picks up a dominant win against Berkeley Springs. University beats Spring Mills 10-2. to uh, The Hawks are trying to be one of those teams to potentially dethrone one of the top teams in the state in Morgantown back in their region and Bridgeport. Uh, and they come across all the way to the panhandle uh, and win in dominant fashion. Although I will say, across athletics for me being from Morgantown, I like the little kind of relationship that Spring Mills and University are forming. Played each other in basketball, played each other in football as well, and now baseball. It's a, it's a nice little pipeline uh, between a couple of bird programs to you know play somebody that's not necessarily more than three hours away. It's a it's a nice little road trip, mm-hmm. one I've made several times, and I hope that university continues to do so. Uh, Washington was also defeated yesterday by Highland. It was a tough game, nine to eight was the final score, and of the nine runs that scored, only three of which were earned. So Washington, you know, kind of kicking the ball around a little bit. Um, it was just not necessarily their day. So if you look at the overall standings, Musselman with the best record in the Panhandle right now at seventeen and four. Hedgesville's thirteen and four. Jefferson's eleven and four. Martinsburg, the other team above five hundred at ten and seven. You throw Hampshire into the mix, of course, because they're in Washington section. You've got Washington at seven and eleven, Hampshire at five and eleven, and Spring Mills in four and twelve. And you look at some of the standouts and put them into the rundown today, guys. There's some really impressive individual efforts from players in the panhandle. Jason Myers, a highlight, is hitting 430. Andy has a two ERA. You want to talk about a guy that's a two-way player? Braylon Connor's hitting 544. And you throw the on-base percentage into that. Six out of every time he comes to the plate, he's getting on base. He's stolen 15 bases. And they also have Lane DeLotter, who has two earned runs through 24 innings pitched. Jefferson, maybe a little bit more of a team effort. They got a couple of guys in the middle of their lineup hitting over 400, but as a team, they've got a 186 ERA. So 
all those three teams, especially, you know, Martinsburg's starting to fall off a little bit. They've lost three of their last four. Washington's lost three of their last four. Hampshire struggled a bit. Spring Mills as well. But that line of demarcation with those three teams, it, we're getting to the point in the conversation, I think, as far as baseball, and we can talk about softball in a second, where I think all three of those teams would be really good examples of the panhandle were they to make it to Charleston. Yeah, I think so, too. And what's really going to be fun, and we talked at length about in the softball where we have Jefferson and Washington being the two teams that are duking out. Maybe we need to have that same conversation about maybe Musselman and Hedgesville right now. These two teams are going out at a combined record of over 30 wins and eight losses. You got guys like Myers, Connor, DeLauder, just standout athletes. This could be what maybe the top game in the panhandle this year as we've been used to Jefferson dominance and on that side it's looking like that side's going to be pretty easy to win for the Cougars I think right now but if you throw in Musselman and Hedgesville those two teams are going to duke it out are they going to beat up on each other and allow Jefferson to potentially pick up the scraps and get back to Charleston or is one of these two teams just that much better this season Jefferson's going to miss out on the state tournament and is it the Appleman's year they've had the pitching is it Hedgesville's year they seem to be coming on at the right time Time will tell, but it's going to be these top three, I think, is the definitive top three as of today. Do you guys have any guess as to what award-winning radio station will be broadcasting the Musselman and Hedgesville game this Friday? Who's that? Us. No way. How about that? <laughs> well, it's nice to have this kind of parody, you know, not just in football. Well, it's nice to have it, especially in football around here nowadays. It's not just, you know, Martinburg beating up on everybody and uh, you know, Jefferson Mussman kind of hanging around. It's nice to see that going through not just football, but basketball and, of course, now baseball. And I think that's just a testament to how good the athletics have uh, grown out here in the Panhandle over the last couple of years. But it is interesting to see how Jefferson continues to just be the powerhouse. I mean, yes, they're playing a team that they should have beat yesterday, but they, you know, those are games that. Can, you can lose easier than you can win, uh, and they have been able to go out here and handle business time in and time again. Absolutely, and it's a young team. You know, They lost a lot from the team that went down and was the number one seed in the state tournament that got upset in the semifinals. So they're going to get better over time, and they've gotten better as the season goes on. They go down to the beach. They're incredibly successful in that game. You know, They've lost just one of their last seven or eight games, that game at high point on Thursday, um, and they're going into the back half of the schedule, like you said, um, playing some really good baseball uh, a show me something game against Hedgesville tonight I mean that's a clash of giants certainly but then after that it's very winnable games on their schedule Hampshire Greenbrier East uh playing Spring Valley is going to be tough but don't get me wrong as time goes on they'll lock horns with Musselman they're playing Bridgeport late but like Parker said they've got an opportunity to come through their section I, I know Washington will give them a good game I don't know that much about Hampshire but they would be the de facto favorites uh by a wide margin in that section um, and then they have the luxury of Jefferson and Musselman, I'm sorry, uh, Hedgesville and Musselman having to beat the crap out of each other to win. So that goes to Jefferson's advantage in trying to get it back to Charleston. And nobody knows more about winning than the guy that just won his 1400th game. <laughs> Unreal. So, you know, Jefferson, while they don't have the same record uh, in terms of the amount of wins that they put up as Hedgesville and Jefferson, I still think it's a, a three horse race. Let's start talking a little softball as well because they were in action last night. Like I was saying, uh, went past the Hedgesville Spring Mills game and it was packed at that. They have a night. They have a great facility there for softball. And also, a quick shout out. Uh, unfortunately, the Hedgesville Little League minor league team Phillies got the loss last Oof. night. Took the loss. Darn. I mean, if you know it, two for two, two doubles. So shout out to him. Extra base uh, machine. I'm telling you, he was stroking it last night. If he that second double he hit, if he'd have just got a little bit more under it, it ended up getting to the fence, but I think he would have hit the What's fence in the air. What's his football game? Is he a legit three-sport athlete? Because we yeah. know he, he yeah. balls in basketball. So, football, 
I'm interested for football this year because this will be his first tackle football season. Ooh, oh he's played man. flag football. He's good at flag football, but uh, I, I don't think he's ever gotten like tackled, tackled yet. And you so said, a lot changes that that first time you put the pads on, you get hit. Your whole world changes either one way or the other. So we'll see what happens for and him. You said he's in Spring Mills' district, right? Is right. that where he'd end up going? Yep. There you go. There's the yeah. future of the Cardinals right there. there. Yeah. Well, that's uh, right. But what's cool about softball, and that's a cool facility there at Hedgesville. Mm-hmm. I love driving past there and seeing people on the trucks, like yep. out beyond the you wall. You see all the dads just, hanging out absolutely. on the fence by the by the batter's cage. Yeah, it's just <laughs> the greatest conversations, I'm sure. Um, but an important game uh, for Hedgesville played a couple of important games on that field yesterday. Uh, they beat Martinsburg twenty to two. Gracie Brown drives in five, and then they beat Spring Mills eight to four. Gracie Brown drives in three. So a pretty productive day at the office. Uh, for a Hedgesville softball team that was left out of the Metro News top 10. Mm-hmm. Jefferson's ranked four. Washington's ranked eighth. No sign of Hedgesville trying to be the third team, The uh, the uh I guess the softball equivalent of what Jefferson's trying to be to Musselman and Hedgesville in baseball. Um, but you also had Washington in action. They beat Hampshire 15-7. to Lauren Jenkins had a productive day at the plate. Uh, drives in five. I would say with all due respect to Hampshire's a quality softball program it's a little bit of a concern that they gave up seven against Hampshire and this game had to be a little bit more of a a slugfest than it needed to be but at this point in the season I think Washington doesn't really care about how they win games until they get into the postseason they just care about winning games and um, I know that Berkeley Springs softball was in action as well they were yes they've won their third straight game they won 2-1 over St. James out of Maryland and this is going to set up today what's going to be a really pivotal matchup for Tribe softball as they're going on the road against Kaiser who are 13-3 and three on the season, and this could be make or break for the Tribe right now. They've been hovering around 500 for the majority of the season. They're coming off, again, three straight wins. Those wins coming against Martinsburg, Hancock, and St. James from yesterday. If they're able to pull off a big road win over Kaiser, that could be a momentum builder to go into what would be another big-time matchup, a team they faced earlier in the season in James Wood that usually has pretty good programs out of the Virginia way. Then later in the season, you got Washington. It's a tough schedule for the Tribe in the back half of this year. you got a Washington team that's ranked in the poll, James Wood out of Virginia that's pretty good, Kaiser that's fantastic right now. This is a tough little stretch right here, and it's good they've won these three straight games to give them a little bit of a buffer if they can only take one or three or two or three. But Tribe softball is looking good. Sadly, the same can't be said for Tribe baseball. They've had a tough season so far, but softball – for Berkeley Springs right now. Three straight wins. They're looking to go in the right direction. That Kaiser matchup just turned a little bit more interesting, I think, with that third straight win. Of course, we have you covered with baseball and softball throughout the rest of the month right here on WPM and WCST. Coming up on the 18th is the next one, high school baseball matchup like we were talking about, Martinsburg and Washington. And then we have high school baseball on the 19th with Jefferson and Martinsburg on the 20th. Hedgesville and Washington softball. And, uh, of course, that's softball for Jefferson and Martinsburg as well. So we got you covered all around. You can check our schedule over on our Twitter page, at EP Sports Network. We'll step aside for a few minutes. We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more uh, about Keyshawn Robinson because I didn't realize he was only the second commute or commute uh, commit this year already for this recruiting class, WU. I feel, I feel like they would have more by now. Next, next year's class, right? Or 2024. Yeah, that's yeah, what I meant. That's what I meant. I feel yeah, like they right, would have though, more by right. now. That does seem light, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that after the break here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting from the Hobby Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. 
We started talking about this a little bit yesterday, um, talking about Keyshawn Robinson because he verbally committed to WVU. He's the second commit for the 2024 recruiting class. There's a great article by Greg Carey over at WVMetroNews.com uh, talking about Keyshawn and his path through Jefferson High School. And he certainly had an interesting path through Jefferson High School. Five foot 11, 175, one of, if not the fastest guy in the entire state of West Virginia. He used that speed to great uh, success in his football season last year, where he definitely raised a lot of eyebrows on a Jefferson team that, um, I guess you could say, underperformed slightly this past year. But um, to build upon what we were talking about yesterday. I mean, I asked you, Luke, if he had a spot on this team and you said yes, as a, uh, you know, a depth receiver or as a return guy, but do you think he could, because of course, right now you look at him, he's built like a high school, uh, an athletic, but a high school kid, right? You get him into a weight program for a year or two, especially a West Virginia weight program. And he could potentially get up to around, I don't know, call it six, one, 200, 205, and then he, I think at that point, is especially if he keeps his speed, which I'm sure he will at a program like that, then I think he jumps up even further up a depth chart. Yeah, honestly, and the more I look at this team, uh, you look at their wide receiver room right now and the guys that they're going to start this year, Devin Carter and Jay Sean Polk, both transfers. Cortez Braham didn't play much last year. Jeremiah Aaron. Uh, obviously, Rodney Gallagher people are excited about as a freshman, but then it's Jarrell Williams, Preston Fox, and they signed three receivers in the class before Keyshawn's. So there's nobody that really jumps off the page of saying this is the next Tavon Austin or Stedman Bailey. Um, so the lack of quality at that position may prove to be an opportunity for him to really succeed. Uh, you know, like I said, Rodney Gallagher is going to be electrifying, I think, as a freshman. I think he's going to be the best freshman wide receiver West Virginia's ever had. But outside of that, you know, it's a position of need for WVU and important for him to get that spot. He mentioned in the article to Greg Carey, and it's interesting. I hope we get the chance to talk with him a little bit later this week. But he said, I didn't want to lose my spot on the team, which makes me wonder if how much money's involved, which hopefully he's getting his scholarship. Absolutely. And uh, t- what that means in terms of West Virginia trying to lock him down and trying to get him to commit. He had picked up an offer from Temple. I know Old Dominion was really interested in him, but him solidifying his future now with WVU and what that means about what the Mountaineers see out of him and what he sees out of WVU. And like I just said, the more I look at it and the more I look at the lack of talent, frankly, and depth at the wide receiver position, the more I think that, well, I don't think he's going to show up on campus to, as a freshman and have a thousand yards receiving. He's somebody that could make it an immediate impact. No, definitely I could see him being in a rotation of receivers. And we've seen WVU teams have guys who have rotated in. Like a guy like Dekeel Shorts was a guy who rotated a good bit in for that receiving room. He, it felt like he was like there for six years almost. <laughs> like it, it felt like he was catching passes from Gito Smith and then Will Greer at the same time for as long as he was there. But it's a guy, again, West Virginia has been known to use a plethora of receivers in its history and its time. Now, why I think West Virginia this coming season is going to be a more run-focused team with what they have at their disposal Again, I think you're going to see a lot of rotational guys coming in, and I think Keyshawn will see some snaps at some point. And, of course, the big key get is Rodney Gallagher. This guy is fantastic, great athlete. But, again, there's really an opportunity for him to shine and make an impact. Now, will he be redshirted this season? There's probably a good chance for it, but there's opportunities. Who, Gallagher? Well, uh, Keyshawn. Oh, I was going to say. Yeah. I was going to say. They're not, no, not Rodney. Rodney Gallagher. Not Rodney Gallagher, no. Uh, Keyshawn, there's a, probably yeah. a good chance he gets redshirted this season, but – 
again, there's opportunities there for you to play as a red shirt, get a little bit of time while keeping your red shirt. I think that's a good possibility for him as well. And a chance for him to really grow a little bit. And well, if things don't work out with him at wide receiver and the room gets a little too crowded, again, he can flip over and play cornerback. He's an all-conference performer at that too. That's the versatility that he brings to this West Virginia program that, again, needs players like this right now. And when we talked at length without last football season, Neil Brown's seat got as hot as it could possibly get. Was that the hottest seat in college football last year? Um, at least top three. the end of the season, yes, I would say so. But the problem is when you look at it, you really can't let Neil Brown go until the end of 2024 going into 2025 with that contract buyout right now. Coach's hot seat has Neil Brown. Well, hang on. I will say this, though. It's kind of funny. Uh, people aren't talking about this a little bit more. Uh, the last time that the Mountaineers got a track star wide receiver out of the Eastern Panhandle from Charlestown, no less, was uh, one James Jett, who ended up being an Olympic runner and hmm. a longtime NFL contributor. So hopefully uh, that, that lightning strikes twice here. Yeah. You never know. Uh, Neil Brown is the sixth most fireable coach in college football right now behind Pat Fitzgerald, Danny Gonzalez, Jimbo Fisher, uh, Butch Jones, and Mario Cristobal. Hmm. Well, when you think about Keyshawn, what? How quick do you think he sees the field? I find it hard to believe that speed doesn't play. Like Parker said, you can play three games and still maintain your red shirt. Yeah. Um, I would say that he would get a chance in their uh, their the cupcake non conference game would be the first time you see him, unless he just explodes in camp where he's got an opportunity to run some routes and then just kind of earn some playing time after that. But I could see them wanting to redshirt him. You know, he seems like a really good kid, somebody that could get a good education out of WVU and wouldn't say no to being redshirted and being around for five years. But um, I don't know. I, at some point, it's if you're talented enough, it's hard to keep that talent off the field. Like, that's the thing. He's a pure wide receiver. He's a burner. And we talked about it yesterday because of Jefferson playing a little bit more of a, a dual-threat quarterback as opposed to a pocket passer. He needed to adapt. And what did he adapt into? An all-conference quarterback. You know? yeah. So he has an opportunity to make hay in a couple of different ways. He could play inside and outside the hash march. I'm ash marks and i hope that he has a chance to play in the slot in college because that's where i'd like to see him play um but he I, I think he's got an opportunity by way of his athleticism to to get some early playing time. Can you imagine seeing Keyshawn robinson flying down a field in like i don't know texas or oklahoma or the something scenes. like that i definitely think he's gonna get a good amount of snaps in the duquesne game coming up on september the 9th i think that's a good opportunity for him to get out on the field it would be two years from now yeah for uh what do you mean? Because he's coming back for another year's school, mm -hmm. and then he's in 2024. Oh, I was talking about the – uh, you meant the Cupcake game, the Duquesne game this year? Next for, year. Oh, is that next year? No, he's not playing in college this year. He'll right. be in college the next, next year. That's right. That's, what I meant that's right. Next okay, year. yeah, that's true. Yeah, so the Duquesne – But, yeah, like the yeah, Duquesne game. Like right. Games like the Duquesne game maybe going into this year. I, I lost my track of time for there. <laughs> Well, it's like how it was at the Shepherd Spring game. I looked at oh. you guys. I was like, why isn't Ezra dressed? And you're like, uh, he's still he's got, high school. Well, he's and then he's got COVID. You're like, this guy should have graduated three years ago. And he's a redshirt, redshirt graduate know. senior student. You know, it's it, it, it gets a little crazy with timelines. I was, I was like, man, is he hurt? And they're like, no, he's still in high school. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And like you said, it's interesting that West Virginia only has two signees for that class. It's him and a, a defensive lineman, if I remember correctly. Um, they've got 19 players, eight of which I think have early enrolled, and then 11 letter of intents that include Rodney Gallagher for this class. And then the class after that's Keyshawn and another offensive lineman. And hopefully that continues to build. And I will say, I think that Neil Brown's excursions into the state of West Virginia has, you know, uh, Milam, Frazier have been incredibly successful. 
You know, he's got depth. I remember when he, it just seemed like every year West Virginia had a backup linebacker from Bridgeport that was just a perfect hole filler and players that, that could make plays on special teams for WVU. So hopefully that, that trend continues. And we talked about how much talent there was in the state uh, from that 100-meter dash. And Jeray Hawkins, mm-hmm. who's also been linked to come to WVU, although he's picked up offers from several Power 5 schools. And Ray Adamas, who's going to VMI. And not to mention Cyrus Traw, as well as going to Youngstown State, didn't run in the race, but it's a pretty deep receiver class at West Virginia, which is hopefully a, a sign to come for the state continuing to uh, produce top talent. Absolutely. So you look at four guys right now, they're going to be college-level wide receivers in Robinson, Traw, Ray Adamas, and then whenever Jeray Hawkins decides to go to next year, it's it's loaded. And we're seeing more and more athletes coming out of the state of West Virginia, particularly this Eastern Panhandle, a lot of premier athletes are going not only to the Division One ranks, to the Division Two ranks as well. We saw Shepard dug in and got guys like Isaiah Fritz and picked apart like three to five guys in the Eastern Panhandle. This talent here in the high school ranks is rising as the years go on, and I think it's going to get more and more as we see teams like WVU, teams like Marshall, Youngstown State. If we go even go into Pennsylvania, teams like Temple, Penn State, Pitt, are going to start pulling into I think even the Virginia teams, too, guys, like UVA, Old Dominion, Virginia Tech. I think a lot of these guys are going to be pulling from the Eastern Panhandle the more it goes on. Well, let us know what you think. Texas 304-263-4321. Who do you think is going to be the best wide receiver here in the Panhandle? Because like Parker mentioned, there's a couple real good ones around, but who do you think is going to come out as the number one this next or this upcoming football season? Texas 304-263-4321. We'll step aside for a few minutes. We'll come back and we'll start talking at national sports because Draymond Green is out here doing Draymond things. <laughs> and to be honest, I missed it. I missed all the the angry tweets and the angry talk about Draymond and him just doing ridiculous stuff out on the court. The NBA always needs a wild man, and Draymond is the perfect wild man. So we'll talk about that after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Icewinner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Before we get to talking about the NBA playoffs and uh, Draymond Green doing Draymond Green things, I want to get your guys' opinion on something. Did you see, and I'm trying to find the name of uh, Anthony Bass, pitcher for Toronto, the Blue Jays, right? Uh, I, I was hoping we didn't talk about that. So I'm just, just curious <laughs> on your opinions here. So if you've done any traveling, especially on a plane, you know that uh, kids on planes can be a little messy, a little loud, right? They're, they're kids. It's like they're in a car. They're always going to be a little crazy. So Anthony Bass, pitcher for uh, Toronto, tweeted out a picture yesterday of his two children on a plane. They were sitting by themselves with popcorn all over the ground below him. So he was upset because the flight attendants told his wife to pick up after his kids made the mess on the plane. And he fired back at people saying, well, the people that should be cleaning it up are the people they paid to clean it up. So no, I guess man. thoughts on that situation. Do you, I'll ask you this. I'll ask you this. Is this one of those situations where it's probably best to not post on social media about it? Absolutely. Yeah. Especially, especially since if you go to his Twitter right now, his top picture is a picture of his daughter holding another bag of popcorn. <laughs> like, it's Is just, that just doubling down? I guess. I, I just... Why do you not think things through when you post them? Mm. You know, it's just like, 
How is this going to look good for you as the million dollar athlete with, you know, that makes you really look entitled while the daughter's in the photo holding an iPad? Yep, both you of know? them are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I don't know the thought process that went into him posting that online. It just <laughs> 13 was, hours ago. It was never going to look good. Think before, <laughs> think before you post, kids. The picture, I mean, you got to respect him posting the picture of his daughter with the bag of family sized bag of popcorn um, right after all this goes down. But he says uh, United Airlines is taking care of matters with the flight attendant internally. Man, I hope he did. I hope that flight attendant doesn't get fired for now, that. Now, the one thing he said that was was correct, don't get me wrong, these kids probably should have picked up the best, was that United provided the popcorn. Handing out popcorn on an airplane mm. is just not a good idea. Hmm. You know, well, stick to the proverbial peanuts and pretzels. Well, that was a major... Don't eat on the plane, people that would have... Uh, this subway sandwich that I've had in my backpack for six hours. We're two hours into the flight. Let me pull out this tuna fish sandwich. Uh, come on, people. And the amount of uh, cold Chick-fil-A sandwiches after you know games and stuff that I've had because they've been in my bag and then I pull it out and have to eat it then. Uh, but yeah, that was an int- interesting headline yesterday. But the, one of the biggest headlines coming out of uh, professional sports yesterday, Parker, Draymond Green uh, out here trying to assert his dominance, I guess, over the Kings, even though they still lit the beam on him. Yeah, uh, Draymond Green behavior, if you want to call it that, with the foot stomp on DeMontis Sabonis. And I think it's just frustration. And I saw this is the first time ever since Steve Kerr started coaching the Golden State Warriors. They were down 2-0 in a series. Wow. First time since that's It's the last time this happened, Don Nelson was coaching the Golden State Warriors, as crazy as this is. And this is a series where a lot of people really discounted the Sacramento Kings. They said, eh, the Warriors are going to beat them in, what, five, six. They're, they're just a regular season team. Knock them out. They've let the beam twice on them, guys. It's uh, it's time to hit the panic button, I think, if you're the Warriors. Do we need a beam here? That would be super <laughs> we need cool. a What's beam crazy so bad. This series is they've gotten two elite games in a row from Malik Monk, of all people. Yeah. And he goes for 30-plus in the first game, goes for 18 in this game. And if people haven't seen it, Sabonis gets pushed over. Um, I, I don't. I think it was Looney. I can't remember. Underneath the rim, he gets pushed into the paint. Draymond's foot is over top of him. He tried to claim that the bonus or Sabonis grabbed his foot, uh, and then Draymond stomps on his chest. And then I, I think to me the most damning thing about it, if you watch the video, is I think it's his right foot. Just for the sake of the argument, it's his right foot. Is on Sabonis's chest. He picks up his foot that's on the ground puts all of his weight onto the foot, his right foot that is on Sabonis's chest, and then runs down the floor. <laughs> I mean, he knows I mean, he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The league needs to step in and suspend him. Like, I understand that like, people want to say, I agree, like, villains are why people tune in. People like watching Patrick Beverly make Russell Westbrook yell. But the problem with the Patrick Beverly-Russell Westbrook situation was Beverly then dove into Westbrook's knees and tore his knee. You know, like this is a different conversation if Sabonis has fractured ribs. He's fine. I'm sure he's got a foot-sized bruise on his chest, but he the x-rays came back negative. So, I mean, this is a different story if he just completely incapacitates uh, the Kings' best player or one of their best players for the rest mm-hmm. of the series. He needs to get suspended. He called it a basketball play. You're a liar. I mean, it's just unbelievable. This trend of behavior happens from Draymond Green, and then he gets mad when people say, oh, it's Draymond being Draymond. I get that he's playing the villain, but you can play the villain and not stomp on somebody's chest. Yeah, real quick, I'm going to play this. I think this is what I think it is. But uh, Anthony Bass came out and pitched. Um, yesterday, and I'm pretty sure this is what was said when he did so. Your new pitcher is ex-Astro Anthony Bass on to try and clean it up 
<laughs> so not bad not a bad move there uh, uh by the oh, broadcaster you gotta love a little banter but uh, i'm right above that video on twitter i'm seeing the video of draymond after the foul was called and the timeout was taken and he is just screaming back and forth yeah, with the fans because he never does man. anything because he's yeah. innocent no. the entire that yeah. i think that's what infuriates me people used to say that about the detroit pistons like the bad boy pistons it's like lambeer never committed a foul he's such a whiner it's that that's almost as bad as the act itself it's mm-hmm. like just own up to it guy if uh, that's one of the things that Patrick Beverly always owned up to. The, yeah, to yeah. the stuff that he did, he did it. Like you know? I just pushed Chris Paul behind the back and made him fall down. <laughs> I, I did that. But if you're gonna be the villain, be the villain. Yeah. yeah. Be, and the NBA always needs a good villain. And right? hopefully, I mean, this game. People also don't want to mention that Steph Curry was 0 of six from three in the second half of this game. You know, and I hope the Warriors lose now. Draymond's gonna leave. What's hilarious is. Uh, Damian Lillard has come out to defend Draymond, and everybody knows exactly what he's doing. He's trying to recruit him because he's a free agent. It's like, I'll stand up for you. Come play in Portland. You know, I <laughs> would you appreciate the effort. Uh, but I, it's, it's not going to be the end of the Warriors dynasty. Don't get me wrong, but it hopefully is the end of Draymond Green as a Warrior. I hope he gets suspended for two games. I hope they get swept, and I hope he doesn't get re-signed. That's what I hope happens. Could you imagine the scenes of the Warriors get swept by the Kings? Oh my goodness! It'd be it'd be a full. It won't happen, but I hope it it'd happens. be a full 180 moment in the NBA <laughs> if that were to happen, and I would love it so so much. But we talk about this Kings team again. De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, these two guys are really putting this team on their back right now. Fox is a guy who he none of these guys have had playoff experience outside of Harrison Barnes, who was a part of that Warriors dynasty in the early part. This is a team that's really impressed in two games and a team in a city in Sacramento that have really rallied behind their team where for a majority of the time, everyone thought they were picking up and moving to Seattle. Which this is what makes this story, I think, a whole lot better too. This city of Sacramento, the Kings are great for the first time. They've won a they've won an NBA playoff game for the first time since I'd say a decent bit of our listeners were born, which is insane to say. So, congrats to the Kings, awesome story again, and we got more action tonight the Knicks are back for game two that's right that's right it's big sports night again tonight you got uh, of course Knicks playoff action uh, at 7 30 and then the O's and the Nats the Beltway battle Beltway series comes back for another edition two two games set in DC between the O's and the Nats oh I hope those don't blow out the Nats because I don't know if I can handle my buddies for uh, these next two days if that happens but what do you think I don't know what the pitching matchups are I haven't looked that far into it yet but uh O's, Nats, O's are playing great baseball right now. The Nats are playing better baseball than people thought they were going to, but bullpen's still an issue, and uh, they haven't quite been able to string some hits together yet. So, I mean, I'm going to just assume the O's are the significant favorite in this matchup, but do you think uh, do you think this is going to be a pretty good new edition of the Beltway battle? I hope so. Uh, Dean Kremer against Josiah Gray mm. today, which I think is the I like Nationals that. A, a punching chance. Yeah. And then let's check tomorrow's as well. Uh, tomorrow's game at seven o'clock uh, is Mackenzie Gore against TBA. So mm-hmm. uh, for the Orioles, I don't know. I mean, the Orioles need to take these games. These are teams you need to beat if you want to make the playoffs. But it's a rivalry game. You know, there's a lot of. This is the biggest. It's it's got to be top three biggest. No, I'm 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 wrong. Uh, connect the fans that live amongst each other. New York, Chicago, Los yeah. Angeles, and then surely this series mm-hmm. uh, of just the cross section of fans that are kind of scattered amongst each other. So I'm sure there's, like you said, there's going to be a lot of guys, buddies that have oh, yeah, two different dude. sides of this rivalry, and it's going to be incredibly entertaining. So teams play up for that. Um, but if the Orioles, I mean, at the very least, the O's need to split. These are the kind of games that you look back at September and say, man, we dropped two games to a 61 Nationals team. 
you know, um, you have to take care of business in games like this. The stadiums, uh, Camden Yards and Nats Park are, depending on which way you go, 40 miles apart. That's so like it. an hour less yeah. than traffic. Hour and eight right now with traffic. It's brutal. Yeah, if you're going on 95 right now, don't. Please don't. But if, it, like don't. if the O's played at 1 o'clock on a Saturday and the Nats played at 5, you'd oh. be able to go to both games. Yeah, yeah. Both. absolutely. Although it's a little bit of a pain to get to Nats Park sometimes, but <laughs> that's, uh, that's just D.C. for you. But I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, the Nats have played significantly better baseball than I was expecting. I think a lot of people were expecting. Now, of course, they're still not going to be great. They're going to be, you know, bottom dwellers uh, in the National League, but growing pains are a thing, and they're they're working through it. Joey Manessis, I thought he's looked really good. Victor Robles has played out of his mind, which, again, terrifies me because that means he'll be the first one out in a trade to get somebody back in. Um, C.J. Abrams, he's starting to look a little bit more confident as the uh, season's progressing. He doesn't have a billion errors every game anymore, which is always great. But it's been fun to watch the Orioles play, man. Uh, of course, we have, we'll have we have the game right here on WPM and WCST. Um, the great broadcast with the Orioles. I love listening to their games uh, on the radio. But they've been playing some electrifying baseball, too. So maybe this could be a, a, a jump start for either one of these teams to get something new going. Yeah, potentially. So, I mean, the Nats problems are... The two veteran pitchers that needed to anchor that rotation and Patrick awful. and Cool and Corbin are both horrible. Um, but there's some guys up and down the lineup, like you said, are producing. You got Lane Thomas from the Cardinals from free, uh, and he's, he's playing pretty well he's too. Playing very well, mm-hmm. sitting three twenty, and along with Candelario, um, you know, you've got some guys that can hit in the middle of that lineup. Uh, need a little bit more power at some point uh, down the stretch of this season. Robles, like you said, he's going to get dealt. Yep. Um, yeah, he's 26. Yep. So, I mean, you need to have a frank conversation, which is the next time the Nationals are going to be good, is he going to be a key contributor? The answer is probably not because he's so built on athleticism that mm-hmm. in four years his body's going to break down. So get the most out of him while you can right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, what you want from a team that is going to struggle is to play entertaining baseball. And I think that the Nationals are playing entertaining baseball. Definitely so. And it's with the young core like that for Washington again, I've mentioned time and time again, you've got guys in the farm system that, well, you needed to improve your farm system if you were Washington trading away. Guys like Max Scherzer, Trey Turner. Well, Wanta. they had the best farm system of like of all time, and then they traded all those guys out to get your Max Tur- your Trey Turners and things like that. It's the price you pay to win yeah. a championship. We've Absolutely. seen it with the Los Angeles Rams in football right now. They're going through a rebuild right now. Now, for the Orioles, this is, again, a series that you've got to try and look to sweep. And then you've got a series coming up this weekend against the Detroit Tigers, two teams that are towards the sellers in baseball right now. These are games, games you got to take because anything in your conference and in your division, especially in the AL East, is going to be really hard to pull from when you got teams like the Yankees, the Rays, and the Blue Jays that are really competing right now to get into the wild card and win the American League East. But... It's a fun series, regional series, and I'm excited to see who's going to be in this one tonight. And a little spoiler for Parker's picks coming up in a little bit, I do have a pick on that Orioles and Nationals game. Oh, and I can't wait also to see people complain about all the blackouts tonight, too. Because <laughs> oh. nobody's going to be able to watch the game. Not a single person <laughs> unless you're at it. Uh, we'll step aside one final time. We'll come back in Parker's picks and wrap things up on Paint Handle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Paint Handle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. 
So one of our picks yesterday got nixed because the Phillies and the White Sox game for yesterday got postponed. So the Trey Turner two plus total bases went void for yesterday. But the two picks that were, sadly, neither one of them came through for us yesterday. The Warriors, who I picked for lock of the day, I thought they were going to come back even the series. There's a little bit of worry in, well, I guess San Francisco. Now I almost called it Oakland. I guess it's San Francisco now. A little bit of worry over there in Warriors camp. But... And Dustin May, he got lit up, I'm not going to lie, against the Mets. I was not expecting that. He only had one strikeout, and the over-under was four and a half on him as the Mets beat the Dodgers eight to six. So we're going to rebound with today's Parker's Picks and give you for today's lock of the day, giving an excuse to come listen to the O's tonight here on WPM and WCST. Got the Orioles and the Nationals over on total runs at eight and a half is today's lock of the day. I'm I, into that. I think I think the, with the Orioles, the story has been lots of offense, not too much defense. So let's see what the uh, see what the weather's looking like. What the wind's going to be looking like down at Nats Park too. With that, I just think that the only worry with this pick might be the pitching of Josiah Gray. But again, I think it's an Orioles lineup. He's a righty. You, you got a lot of left-handed batters. So I think do good against right-handed pitching. Like Cedric Mullins, guys like Adley Rutschman who do better against right-handed pitching. I think the over on eight and a half is solid too. Kramer, I don't know how solid I am on him too. And I got you got guys like Joey Manessis who can go out and hit one out of the park if he really wants to. So I, the over under eight and a half runs, I'm liking the over for today's lock of the day. Well, it's gonna be a nice day for a ball game. 65 and sunny down in DC, uh, right right around first pitch. 14 mile an hour wind gu- winds with gusts around 20 mile an hour, but the winds will be going so north northwest would be left field. So. That's where the power hey. alley is at Nats Park. Maybe we, maybe we do get a high-scoring game. We're on this, maybe we're on to something here. We are on to something today. So that is, again, today's lock of the day. Over eight and a half total runs in the O's-Nationals matchup. I got Brian Reynolds, Pittsburgh's finest, going for two-plus total bases against the Rockies today. They're in Coors Field, so the ball is going to fly out of there. I like Brian Reynolds to get two-plus total bases. And my man, J-Rod, Julio Rodriguez, I got him two-plus total bases for the Mariners against the Brewers as – I don't even know who this guy is. C. Ray. I'd have to find his full name, but he's going to be pitching today for the Brewers. I like what the Mariners have right now. I think Rodriguez is going to get those two-plus bases, especially being at home. He homered his last game against Milwaukee. I think he keeps the momentum going. So, again, O's, Nats over on total runs today, 8.5. Brian Reynolds, two-plus total bases. Julio Rodriguez, two-plus total bases. It's today's Parker's picks. You ain't got nothing on uh, the Knicks game? You know, I didn't pick basketball today. I've I've been hesitant to pick basketball because I, I feel like basketball out of the three that I usually pick is probably my weakest one because it's just so coin flip. Mm-hmm. I think for basketball more of the time. If I were to pick, if you if you asked me to pick this game straight up, I would probably lean Cavs just because I think they even the series at game two and take it back to New York at a tied series. But I, this one's going to be close. Like if if I'm looking at the lines right now for point totals, they raised Mitchell's points line to 32 and a half. I mean, I like Brunson's line at 24 and a half being over. Mm-hmm. I, I like that one too. So if you want to go in on the Knicks today, I think Brunson's 24 and a half points is solid. But I do think the Cavs do pull off the win in this one. And man, I'm really excited for this uh, Clippers Suns matchup tonight. Like that's going to be the game one between these two was really really good. I'm I think this might be the outside of this next Cavs series. I think this is the other series to watch too because it looks like Kawhi's back after that mm-hmm. last game, guys, which is good to see. I mean, it, I think the thing, the graphic on the broadcast said it was like almost two years since Kawhi Leonard's played a playoff game, hmm. which is nuts. But since that shot? Si- since Double, he... Triple doink. Yeah, since the shot? Since the triple doink. But yeah, I'm excited for that game tonight. It's Durant, it's Leonard. Can Phoenix even the series? 
or the Clippers going to take a 2-0 lead. I think that's going to be a fun one. And my Celtics are on tonight, too, at 7 o'clock. They're probably going to just blow out the Hawks anyway. But Well, they got the Knicks at plus 5.5. I don't hate that. I over th- under, I mean, the over-under line set at 214. I don't I'll think th- they take both games. Could they cover 5.5? I think they could cover 5.5. I think they could cover 5. I don't know. What was the final? Was it one hundred one ninety seven? Yeah, I feel like these are all going to be one or two possession games. Yeah, I think th- no disrespect because I still think the Knicks are going to win the series. I think they drop tonight's game. So that would be a very Knicks thing to yeah. do. But let us know what you think, Texas. Let especially let us know if you've been rocking with any of Parker's picks because uh, <laughs> I know I know one person that does, and uh, he gives you some flack for it every time he sees you. But Texas three zero four two six three four three two one. And as we look at the Parker's pick board, like we talked about yesterday too, when you got called out uh, yesterday, I forgot that that also yesterday. happened. Uh, yeah, no, the day that never been the, the day the day I got called out is the day I whiffed. I love that. <laughs> it's it's like they're asking me to they put me they put me under the pressure, and then I just absolutely whiffed the plate. But. Oh, did you guys see that a uh, live golf event is coming to the area here this summer? I did not. Which area? Uh, Sterling, Virginia. Oh wow! Yeah, Interesting. At, uh, there's a Trump National there, which I didn't know that there was a Trump golf course that close. But uh, yeah, live golf coming to the area. All the villains of golf. I know our boss, uh, Jared. I don't know if he knew about that, but I know he's a live golf guy uh, to an extent, which no surprises there. But uh, <laughs> but I think it'd be cool to go see. It's such a different uh, such a different type of golf being played of course the game itself is the same but the money's a lot different the guys are a lot more lax at day school they can wear shorts which is cool you know you i don't wear shorts when you play golf like not in pga golf. yeah pants only pants only walk that's how it rolls and i can't wear pants when i play what golf. about because you, you can't use golf carts right in pga stuff right can you use them in live can you use golf carts? i don't think so okay you still, i haven't watched okay. a live a live but you uh, have a caddy event. you don't care oh yeah yeah, bags, yeah yeah no there there ain't no way brooks kept is carrying his own bag <laughs> ain't no chance which, by the way, he's got some West Virginia ties. So if you are looking for somebody to root for uh, in live golf, uh, Brooksy could be your guy. But with a few minutes left here, fellas, anything else you want to uh, start hitting? Yeah. Did you guys see the reverse boycott that the Oakland A's are going yeah. to do? That's really interesting. They're story. like packing the. Uh, so the the uh, the narrative of the Oakland A's, uh, you know that that stadium's horrible. There was uh, one of the broadcast crews. I think it was the Braves said nobody can use the visiting radio booth. Because there's a possum living in it right now, oh, so that, that that like that stadium's just so poverty. And the the narrative that the the ownership is trying to poise is that well the fans just don't support us like they used to. Well, the fans don't support the team because the team's terrible and the stadium stinks. So the fans are planning a reverse boycott to prove that it's not they're not the problem. They're going to sell out. Uh, they're going to plan to buy up all the tickets for an A's game, spend a ton of money, act like it's you know hunky dory, and then go back to boycotting. So they're going to prove that we're more than willing to spend money to support this team if you're willing to do the same thing. I think it's June 17th. They're going to try to buy every ticket, spend money, blah, 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 reverse boycott the A's to prove that we're not the problem. Ownership is the problem. I think it's I think it's awesome. I mean, obviously, ownership's going to make a bunch of money off of those tickets, mm-hmm. but hopefully they get the message and we will try to invest yeah. in upgrading that stadium or building a new stadium, frankly, because that's how they lost the Raiders and the A's could very well move to Vegas soon, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. a great, interesting story, though. Yeah, June 13th, A's versus Rays, 6.40 p.m. first pitch. The We Are Here reverse boycott to pack the collie, as they say. Pack the collie. Hmm. I think it'd be a cool stadium to go to. Why not? I think, I mean, that's seen some. If it was my team stadium, I'd be Yeah, I mean, it's seen some pretty yeah. good games. Seen some pretty good games over the years. Now, would you feel the same way about the Trop? What do you mean? Like the same way these people feel like? Yeah, absolutely. About I feel like they've been disenfranchised, and their team's been successful. 
their team's been more than so they've gone to the World Series in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a shame. There's videos of Oakland A games into the 2000s in the Moneyball era. People remember from the movie. They open up the whole stadium. Like they tarp the upper decks. They open up the whole stadium and had 60,000 people there to watch that streak. You know, that's what this team used to do. It's right. a shame of what's happening to them, and I hope the fans get the, what they're looking for. I hope the team stays. Because, like, I supported the Raiders when they were still in Oakland, um, and they had every reason and every right to leave because of how much of a dump the Coliseum is, and it would be a shame for them to lose both of those teams. Well, again, and it goes to bad management decisions, too. You trade away three guys who are playing great right now in Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, and Sean Murphy. So, I don't know. The A's are doing weird things. I... There's really a high speculation that they're going to end up in Vegas or somewhere else at some point, but they got they got to really if they want to keep a team in Oakland and not leave it for Bandon, they got to get something done. The A's are going to A's, man. The A's <laughs> are going to do their thing. But if you missed any show today, let's back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. You can always get in touch with us. You can text us anytime you want three zero four two six three four three two one. You can always tweet at us at EP Sports Network. Especially head over there and check out our schedule, broadcast schedule for the rest of the month. But that does it for us for today. For Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.